Good morning. It sounded like we were sleeping. That's okay, because the first service, everybody went to sleep except Danny, and he was leading singing. He knew he had to get up here afterwards. You guys sound a little sleepy, so we're going to take a minute. What I want you to do, you don't have to necessarily stand up, but I want you to, first of all, look straight up like this, straight down like this, sideways, and then greet your neighbor, would you? All together, take about uh, 30 seconds. One, two, three, go. couple of you aren't doing this and I'm looking at you. I hope that wakes you up because I know it's been a beautiful weekend and then you get to Sunday and it's all rainy. It's, it's rough and, and, and I got to go 48 minutes. So I mean, you know, if we're going to make this journey together, I'm kidding. It's like 27. At least the early service was. We are in Matthew chapter 5 where we'll be in just a second. Don't forget next Sunday that Every dime you give in the offering plate goes toward paying down the principal on this building. That's a, that's a neat thing the elders have seen fit to do. And if, if that motivates you, you know, please do something about that and just kind of show your support for let's, let's pay this building off and then do some amazing things with some of that. But this is a great resource that's being used. I'm sure you see that as well as I do. Uh, it's a great thing to have and we're using it wisely. And I, I just... Just let your heart move you in, in that particular direction. And don't forget also, next Sunday night, the CRA Chorus is with us. Do you notice that? It's called a crock pot luck. Crock pot pot luck. I think that's what it's called. Say that real fast three times. Don't, because it might be um, a cuss word. But any, as, you, as you think about something creative, don't forget desserts too. And afterwards, we wanna, we're inviting all the, the parents of those uh, chorus members to come too, so we're going to have a little extra crowd. Bring something really good in that, and let's just have some fun with that and interact with those folks. Matthew chapter 5, we'll be there in just a second. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Let me put a couple of people on notice, some, some quick-thinking people. I'm going to say Paul Wallace and Kyle Madden and Matt Nix. Where's Matt Nix? Okay, uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you some scenarios, and Michael too, uh, Michael these too. Uh, I'm going to give you some scenarios, and what I'm expecting you to do is listen to this sermon and tell me a proper response of a Christian in these scenarios, okay? And I'm going to give you a chance to be able to say an answer to them, but I'm just preparing you fairly. Matthew chapter 5, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, and in fact, it says that in the Old Testament. You've heard this, Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist the one who's evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn, in the, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and, the one, and do not refuse the one who wants to borrow from you. There's no more radical part of the Sermon on the Mount than this one. This is the most well-known part that everybody tries to explain away so that we don't have to, so that we don't have to obey it. This is so against our American culture. This is so against our natural impulse. 
I know more people in Arkansas that would, would be able to preach the conceal, carry, conceal and carry law than they would the forbear and forgive law. That's kind of what we're about. That's kind of what you hear on the news all the time. And yet this ethic goes against everything. I mean, how many of you have uh, this house is protected by Smith & Wesson sticker on your window? And I'm saying you can't do that. I'm just saying we're more aware of that than we are of this turn-the-other-cheek thing. When somebody pushes and shoves you, what do you want to do? You're on one end of the basketball court. Your son is playing on one end of the basketball court, and the opponent is throwing his elbows around and hitting your kid in the eye. What do you yell for your kid to do on the other end of the basketball court? Don't answer. Don't answer. I know what the answer is. Your children haven't visited you during the year like you think they should. What do you get your grandkids for Christmas? Drum set with six cymbals on it. I know what you do. Something else that can happen. Maybe, for instance, someone driving on the highway doesn't drive just right. What do you do in response? Just the last couple of weeks, we've seen this lady who didn't like the, the way that YouTube was doing their policies toward her, and she goes and she starts shooting up all these YouTube workers, and then she kills herself. What is wrong with us? Even your life on the playground from a wee little kid, you know that when somebody bullies you, and everybody gathers around and watches that bully push you, you know what they're saying to you when you get up, right? You get up next to that bully, and everybody's telling you what? They're saying, forgive and forget. I love you, you love me. No, that's not what they're saying. They're not saying forgive and forget. They're not saying overlook it, overlook it and love him. They're not Sylvester Stallone saying, grab a hand and sing Kumbaya. That's not what they're doing. What they're doing is hit him. He deserves it. You have a right to. Here's a free shot. We are a culture of retaliation and revenge. It's seen in our marriages. It's seen in sibling rivalry. It's seen in every classroom, in every school. It's seen in every break room of every workplace, in every freeway in our country. We've come to anticipate it. This American sense of, I know my rights and I'm going to fight for them. And it's so natural for us that even, even cultures understand we've got, to, we've got to reach into this and limit it some. And so cultures have an eye for an eye law. Jesus is quoting scripture here. The Old Testament says it, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. These were instructions given to judges. And it says, when these cases come before you of these people who've wronged someone else, here's what guides you and how you need to, to rule on this. And what you do is if somebody pokes you in the eye, you don't want to just poke their eye out. You want to knock their head off. And so the law says, no, if it's an eye, it's an eye. If they knock out a tooth, you take out a tooth. And if they destroy someone's life, their life must be taken. And that's what the old law said. But Jesus comes along and says, I want to tell you something different. By the way, I, I gotta, I'm sitting here looking at Willie Lahari right now. Willie, would you raise your hand? He's the newest member. Willie, go ahead. He, he hates doing this. He's looking at me like I'm going to get you back. He's got the weirdest pronouncing name. Okay, he taught me how to do this. It's Laugh Harry. But that's not how you... Don't call him Willie Laugh Harry. Don't do that. It's Lahari. Everybody say it together with me. You ready? Lahari. That has nothing to do with anything in this sermon. I just derailed your attention completely. But I was just looking at him, and I wanted to keep, prevent anybody from offending him. Willie Lahari, great guy from West Plains, Missouri. 
Jesus goes along and this is what he says. I want instead of you trying to get justice for every wrong, I want you to imitate God. I want you to respond to injustice the way God would. See, the law says, I'm going to limit retaliation, but the Pharisees grab this eye for an eye and they preach it like, you have to have justice for everything that happens to you. Anytime anybody does something, you're in a supermarket and for some reason that cart behind you pushes you from the backside, right? Ever happened to you? You've got to turn around and you've got to take your cart and push him. That's what the Pharisees would say. And Jesus says, you know what? You don't have to have justice every time. As Christians, our models should not be the old law. Our models should not be our feelings from within. Our models should not be fellow fallen creatures around us. Our models should be our Father in heaven. And what he does is what we should do. How would we do this? And he gives four illustrations, and I want to provide them for you. These are not laws. Don't turn the Sermon on the Mount to a bunch of laws. These are not laws that you keep. These are not demands on you. These are great illustrations for how you can be like God when somebody offends you. And by the way, this happens even at church. Just this morning, after preaching this sermon, I go into Bible class time, and there's Barrett Leblong. Anybody know her? She seems like a sweetheart, doesn't she? And I say, hey! And I'm waving, and she looks at me, and she goes, and walks down the aisle, struts. She struts down the aisle to her classroom, and I'm thinking, Oh, I've just been slighted. I've just been treated unfairly. What should I do to a fellow believer who just thumbed her nose up at me and strutted down the hallway instead of saying hi? I've been thinking about that during the Lord's Supper time today. What should I do? And I will forgive her if right now she'll wave at me. You're forgiven. She's too sweet to know. But we can do this to each other. And by the way, there have been times I've done this. I've looked at somebody thinking I'm going to go greet them, and then something gets my attention over here, and it offends this person. I didn't come over there. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional at all. You've got to be careful with how we judge our feelings on this stuff. Here's illustration number one. You've got a guy at a city council meeting in downtown Jonesboro. He's on one side. Let's say he, this guy's on one side and, of an issue, and, and he's got all these other people over here on another side, and he presents the case for this one side. Let's talk about trying to keep this dry county dry. It's the wettest dry county I've ever been in my life. No offense, but it just seems like you're drowning, and you're saying, but there ain't no water here. Anyway, so as, you, as, you, uh, as you're debating this, debating some issue that's contentious with people, you present your side, and then in the middle of it, a guy says, that's baloney. And he gets up in the middle of your time, and he belittles you, and he puts you down. And in fact, here's anybody who uses this to say, this is what we use with physical violence. This is not about a physical attack of somebody. The right cheek, the right hand of a person hitting the right cheek of another person is a slap like this. It's I'm waving off your argument and I'm belittling you and ridiculing you in front of people. This is a humiliating insult. It is not a physical hit. Anybody who says to a woman who's being beaten by her husband, will turn the other cheek, sister, is taking this way beyond what Jesus said. This is not about a physical altercation of pain and injury. This is a humiliating gesture in public. And the Jews even had a 
charge you could make against somebody for slapping like this. This is humiliation in front of a group of people. You're trying to put somebody down, and by, by slapping them like this, you don't hurt them much. You just humiliate them a lot. And so as you're in a city council meeting, this guy comes up to you and just gives you a backhanded slap as if to say how dumb you are. You are a Christian representing a position of people at the city council in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and one of the people on the other side humiliates you and slaps you like that. Ooh, every, suddenly everybody wakes up at the boring city council meeting because they've just seen something that they think is going to escalate into something pretty radical. You've just been assaulted You've just been humiliated, and everybody has seen the injustice of it, and everybody's anticipating you firing back, you responding back in kind. This is how the world does it. This is when all the phones stick up uh, from people's hands, and they start recording, because this is going to be on the news tonight. What you do in response right now is the most spiritual part of your week, even more than your worship on Sunday morning. What do you do to this guy? Even the police officers are moving into the side because they anticipate law and order is about to be obstructed, right? There's a, we're about to lose control in here. We've got to start, you know, planning. And they expect you to do something. And everybody's on the edge of their seats in a city council meeting, on the edge of their seats, wondering what are you going to do. And what does Jesus tell this guy to do? He does not say, that didn't hurt. Here, hit, try it again. That would escalate it. That's not what he's saying. He says, do nothing. Don't do anything. Don't respond. This is true. I want you to think back at some other times like this. You see some African Americans marching peacefully across a bridge. And a bunch of white people with batons and guns attacking those people who are doing absolutely nothing. And tell me what you think. Does it show the strength of a white man or does it bring shame to you that you would ever treat unarmed people that way? I'm with the shame group. The best thing you can do in that case to represent the kingdom is absolutely nothing. Everyone's wanting this reaction. Everybody thinks a reaction would be justified. But for Jesus and for followers of God and children of his and kingdom people, Peter and Jesus are right. Anytime you're insulted or slandered or misrepresented, you need to respond in a kingdom manner. That's a spiritual moment. And that unkindness often, whether online or in person, is best met not by response but by silence. How many times has God remained silent when people have taken his name in vain and offended or insulted him? How many times does God do absolutely nothing? Take note, because that's your cue. Not every injustice you suffer has to be addressed and met with justice. Not every time you're mistreated do you need to have amends made. It is to your glory, the Proverbs say, to overlook an offense. So imitate God's patience. That's a kingdom response. 
Illustration number two, we move to somebody who's about to sue you. I don't think the lawsuit ever gets underway, but he's coming after you, and he wants to sue you, and you've got nothing. You've got nothing he can take but the shirt off your back that you got from Goldsmiths two, three weeks ago. Uh, sorry, not Goldsmiths. What is that place? Anyway, you got this nice shirt, right? It's the only thing you got of any value, and he's wanting to humiliate you, and so he says, you know what? I'm going to sue you for your shirt, the only thing you got worth anything. Wow, what do you do? There's one piece of clothing that every Jew had an inalienable right to. No one could take away the cloak. It's your outer coat. It's your cover in the winter. It's, it's, your, it's what you could stay warm with. And so even if you owed everything that you uh, owed everything that you owned to somebody, they could not take that cloak. God protected the people that way. And he says, here's what you do. Give them your shirt. And then that cloak that you have the inalienable right to, give that to them too. Give up your right. Give up your rights to maintain peace with people. Be willing to, 38 special here. It's usually old, you know, it's old country, but I'm going to go 38 special. Hold on loosely. Just hold on loosely to your rights. Instead of grabbing them like every American, we're trained what our rights are, and we hold on to them with every fiber of our being. Let's be willing to give up our rights if that's what it takes to keep peace with people. That's what Jesus is saying. I want you to be willing to match God's sacrifice. You know what it says of Jesus in Philippians 2? He did not consider his equality with God, something to hold on tightly to and hang on for dear life. He was willing to hold on loosely, give it up, come down to earth to meet the needs that we had. And we as God's people need to not only believe that doctrine, but we need to imitate it in our lives. When somebody for some reason has some weird problem with us, let's give up our rights if necessary to restore peace. Illustration number three, a Roman soldier had the right to make Jews carry their backpacks of tools and equipment for one mile. It didn't matter what the Jew was doing. It didn't matter what that person had plans for. If a centurion, a Roman soldier, stopped him and said, you've got to travel a mile with me, he had to stop everything and suspend all his plans and walk a mile. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what, when that happens, and it's very likely to happen today, as Jesus was preaching live, I want you to do this. I want you to grab that backpack, and I don't want you huffing and puffing, and I don't want you telling him, but I got a party to get to. No, I don't want you doing any of that. I want you to grab that backpack, and I want you to have a conversation with him. As you're walking down the road, I want you to ask him, what's it like being a Roman soldier right now? What are the issues you're facing? Tell me about your wife and your kids. Let's have a conversation about your life. I want to get to know you. And it's going to take a while. And as you're walking down there, Roman mile was a little shorter than ours. When it's at the end of mile one, the exhausted effort, there's no way that they can require any more distance from you. I want you to say to that Roman soldier, I tell you what, we're in the middle of this conversation. I want to keep going. I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to go the extra mile here. That's literally where this comes from. Go the extra mile, and you walk another mile asking more questions, and right before you're at the end of mile number two, you say, you mind if we stop and have a prayer for you? 
And you pray for that soldier, you finish that second mile, you give him the backpack and you say, it's been an honor and a privilege, I hope to see you some other time. And you walk away, go back into what you were supposed to be doing. I want you to go way beyond this. You want to know what I think this is called? Anybody ever heard of heaping? You know what a heaping is? When you're at a recipe and it says three heaping teaspoons of cocoa, what does that mean? Don't be legalistic with this. Don't just like you know, get this teaspoon and scrape it off and it's run balance. You put no heap it. Put more on there. You ever go to an you ever go to Baskin Robbins and say I want two cups and I mean cups. No, I go and I say heap those things. Heap them, man. Pull, pull, you know, just take a chunk out. And if you can make that thing hold two cups, do it. Go for it. And you you want more. Don't just give a little bit. You know how God's abundance looks. When he fed 5,000, did he get just enough food to barely scrape everybody by? How do you know that, Jesus, that God used his abundant provisions for the feeding of the 5,000? How many basketfuls were left? Twelve. Don't have a potluck and just barely feed the crowd. Stuff them full and have extra. That's the way God is. And so this, I would apply this to you young people. When you get a job somewhere, and I don't care if it's at a restaurant like a Flippin' Burgers or if it's somewhere else, when you get a job somewhere and your responsibilities are done and you've still got a little extra time, look around for what else you can do. Don't just do the stuff that you're supposed to do. Do extra. Look around for what more. Make them want you to be hired back. But more than that, be like God. God doesn't just give what he has to give. God heaps it up. God gives us abundantly a beyond. He said, I don't want to give you life. I want to give you life abundantly. I want to give you more. And so why not, if we're God's people, do the same thing? Go the extra mile. Here's the last one. If somebody asks you for something, give it to them. It doesn't say what, the, what you're to give them, and I want you to take note of that. It doesn't say give what they ask. It says be ready to give to them. And if they need to borrow, be willing to lend to them. The idea of this is that never pass up a chance to give to somebody, and this is not something we see every day necessarily. But I want you to remember this. Sometimes... Oftentimes, it's not good to give money. It's something good to give something different. I can tell you a couple of times where I've seen this. Remember Peter and John on their way to the temple, and this guy was begging, wanting money. And, and Peter says to the guy, you remember what he says? I don't have any gold or silver, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy got the ability to walk back. Is that a little better than ten bucks? You're asleep. Anybody not nodding your head, something's wrong with your, your quality system, your ability to measure this. I'd much rather have the ability to walk than a $10 bill from you. Now, we don't have that ability to give them the ability to walk, but I remember this story to the day I die. Willie Sandlin and I were at a Cardinal game, and we always go to McDonald's first. We're cheapskates. We won't buy the $8 hot dogs at the ballpark. And, but what he would do is there was, there was beggars everywhere. There were people asking for different stuff. And I never knew. I mean, I, I'm from, I'm from Kennett. I'm from Fairtown. I've never seen anybody on the street doing this. But he's seen that before, and, and that's because he stops and picks up every hitchhiker there ever was. But anyway, so as we're, as we're about to go eat somewhere, this guy says, will you give me some money? And Willie just looked at him automatically like he's worked this out before. And he says, no, but you can come in and you can eat with us. 
Now, most of the time, I would think most people say no to this, but this guy said yes. He was one of the most colorful characters I've ever met. And he comes in, and Willie actually pays for his lunch. And the whole time, I'm just looking at Willie, not this guy. What are you thinking? It's a great, brilliant idea. He gave them something that they needed that was better than, I think, what they were asking for. In Chicago a couple weekends ago, these people were everywhere, and I tried my best to go, okay, look them in the eye, ask them for their names, and be willing to pray for them later. And so I asked all the CRC students to do the same thing. But we were eating at Giardino's. Anybody ever heard of Giardino's? That thick, thick pizza. It's the best stuff in the world. We couldn't eat the whole thing. We had four pieces left, put it in a box. It was still hot when we were leaving. And they looked at me as we were leaving the, store, leaving the restaurant and said, we're going to go buy that one guy that we've been talking to the last hours we were walking around wasting time would it be okay if we gave this pizza to him I said yeah but I I had this feeling he's not going to take it that's not what he wants walking by Daniel Parrish at CRC gives him the box and the guy took that box opened it up and ate it right in front of us at that moment he was really hungry he literally was and he gave them something I don't know if he was looking for money or what but he took the food and he ate it I'm going to tell you this, we are, we are the children of our Father in heaven, and he gives sunshine, and he gives rain to people, whatever that might be needed at any moment. I think we have an obligation as God's people to be generous and kind when, a, when opportunity arises, and that doesn't always answer what you give them. These examples of Jesus are not laws, they're examples, they're open your mind, they're to help you to be creative. Be creative and find ways to give a kingdom response to everybody who asks you for something. And don't let it be the same every time. Think of the circumstance they're in and one way that you can be godlike to them. And there's no one answer. And you, that's what everybody wants. Tell me what I should do. I can't do that. I think you need to know who your Father in Heaven is. You need to know what He's done for you. And that's going to help you answer what you need to do for others. And it won't always be the same for every person. That's what he's saying with these illustrations. Let's be children of our Father. And so here's here's all four principles in one slide. Overlook offenses imitating God's patience. Give up your rights to have peace imitating God's sacrifice. That's supposed to be sacrifice, not patience. My mistake. So you imitate God's patience or his sacrifice or you practice heaping, practicing God's abundance, or you practice giving, imitating God's generosity and kindness. I want you to think about that, and I want, I, I want to go ahead and use this uh, uh, handheld. I'm going to give you, I, I don't think these scenarios Jesus used were real, real for us, and so I'm going to, I'm going to update them a little bit, and I'm going to ask Michael. Michael, would you come up here? Kyle, would you come up here? Who else I ask? Matt, would you come up here? And Paul, yeah, Paul right here. I'm going to give each one of them a test. First one is Michael's. I'm going to let you, this is on, so. I'm going to give you a scenario, and I want you to tell me a real kingdom response. And it doesn't have, there's, there's no one answer. Okay, you're safe. You're walking the halls of school, or maybe one of our kids is, you want to. An obnoxious fellow student decides to embarrass you by unzipping your backpack, and all your books fall out shortly after you start walking. He thinks people will think this is funny. And he, he thinks he's going to humiliate you by doing so. And some people do think it's funny, but most of them think it's rather trite. Doesn't matter, though. How are you going to respond? As a kingdom person, what are you going to do in response? And remember, this is a spiritual moment. This is a test as important as the Spanish test you're going to, Michael. What are you going to do in response to what that guy did? I, I guess I just 
stop everything I was doing, turn around, pick up my books, clean up, put them all in my backpack, make sure it was good and zipped, and then continue on about my day. You're not going to punch him? You're not going to go Well, that's what I'd want to do, yeah. Okay, but, <laughs> okay, but you're not going to do that. I wouldn't do that. And you would tell our young people not to do that. That's right. It's a good youth minister. Thank you very much. Okay, hand it to Paul. No, go ahead and go get Yeah. Scenario number two. Someone starts, Paul, a rumor about you uh, around other people, people that you care about. It might be at uh, your work or about your work, and you're worried that people who respect you might get the wrong idea if they hear this stuff passed around on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and talk behind your back. You know where it came from. You know it's not true. It hurts. It makes you angry. You certainly did nothing to deserve it. How do you handle this situation in a way that's consistent with your kingdom values? Buy him a drum set. Buy him a drum set. Okay. Okay, better answer than that. Come better on. answer than that. Shake it off. Ignore it. But perhaps the person that told the rumor, if I knew who it was, I'd go to them and try to uh, clear things up with them. Just speak to them. But that would be about the best of it. Okay. Okay. Pass it to Kyle if you would. All right. You put your uh, North Face jacket up on the coat rack. You go about your work or attending class, whatever you're doing. And when you go to retrieve it, it's gone. And you know that this coworker or fellow student was wanting one for a long time. But you know for a fact that those, that person has never worn one, never had one. But she or he claims it was, her, it was his, and it's been his for a long time. And you can't prove it's yours. It's your word against him. You see him, and when you look at him, you can tell you both know the truth. What do you do? Uh, I say, I guess just let him have it, because they might need it more than I would. Um, I have another jacket or some other way to clothe myself. So. Okay, you just let him have it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, one answer, I was, thinking, I was thinking one answer, and the only, is maybe, well, no, that's the best answer I can come up with. Go for it. Okay. Good answer. All right, Matt. You ready? You're driving, and a guy cuts in in front of you, and I'm almost causes you a wreck. It gives you a heart attack. Your heart starts racing. And then he gets in another lane, and he starts taunting you. For whatever reason, you think it's intentional. He just starts being obnoxious on the road. You're being gracious. You're being gracious, but then he pulls beside you, and he gives you a redneck one-finger salute, right? Totally uncalled for. He's the one who's done something wrong, and you are furious inside. What do you do? Call the police. <laughs> you might. You might. Okay. If they're not causing any danger... Um, First instinct would be to pass them, but more than likely just to back off, maybe even exit, get out of the way, and just let them go on about their day. And try not to say things in front of your children in the car. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, but uh, are you tempted? Do you want to say something? Oh, do you want to do something? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Good answers, guys. I really thought about calling the police, getting the license plate number, and sending a get-well card to the guy if, if that was possible. For you, it might be possible, an ex-police person. Here, here's the deal about this. There's no one answer to these. It's hyperbole, and Jesus is using exaggeration. We've really got to figure out what does this mean. 
But the point is, he's opening our minds and saying, be faithful to the kingdom. These are spiritual moments that, inf- that, that come into your lives. You're not prepared for them, exactly, but they will come into your life this week. And just as important as you taking the Lord's Supper on Sunday morning is how you act in those moments right there. And Jesus wants us to be creative. Be creative. Think about what God has done. And the point is this. Let's honor the name of the God we serve. The way he ended up, how does a perfect sinless person end up on a cross in order to die the death that is your atonement? How does a sinless person end up on a cross? By being treated unjustly. That's the only way. He didn't deserve it. It's the treatment that was unfair, and yet that's what God's plan called for. It was necessary as a means providing atonement for you and every human being. To provide what you needed, he had to experience unjust suffering. And in doing so, in such a way that he did, it created in us an understanding of the deep love of God for us that changed history, that provided forgiveness, and restored peace with God. All that happened because of the way Jesus handled injustice. And I think when he says, bear your own cross... He means we need to be willing to respond to injustice in exactly the same way and maybe for the very same reason. And if anyone ever asks you, why in the world did you treat somebody who treated you that way with such grace? You're given the chance to tell the story, the story of our gospel that is the heart of what people need to respond to. And this morning, you've heard the gospel preached, and you're being urged. Practice the gospel in your life. Preach it. Sometimes you don't need to say a word. Sometimes by how you handle injustice and unfairness in your life, that is the gospel embodied to people. That's what we've been called to do. So know the Father well enough to know, what would God do right here? What did he do? What should I do? And if the chance comes to explain your actions... You've got an opening to share with somebody the greatest story ever told. If you have never responded to the gospel, I want you to know you're responding to a Savior who suffered unjustly, but he did it for your sake. The one who belonged to be there was you. We are the ones who treated him unfairly, and he responded to us with grace. May we do that with others. If there's any need you have this morning, spiritually, we'd love to help you with it as we stand and sing to encourage your response.